me and Christopher Sean and Chandler used to do during that time and then with me and Chandler towards the end is we would just go straight to tape. So there were many times that we wouldn't even rehearse it in the dressing room. The very first time that we ever saw each other do it was when it was being taped for television. Welcome everyone to the Freddie and Alyssa show. If you're new to the channel, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, all that fun YouTube stuff. If you're watching on Facebook and you want to like the page, that would be great. And if you're listening on a platform like iTunes and you want to give us a five-star review because you think we deserve it, that would be incredible. We've been having our podcast now for over five years, many episodes. So we want to thank you for your ongoing support. It means the world to us. Alyssa had a plan on being here today. But unfortunately, on Monday evening, she started feeling a little under the weather. And then yesterday, 4th of July, was kind of her sleep all day, try to recruit, recoup. Um, and so we missed our 4th of July picnic, which was, which was a bummer. But she's feeling much better today, but she's just kind of reserving her energy here. And I think she'll be back to, you know, normal on Thursday. But she says hello, and she misses you all. Um, though we didn't get to, like, go and hang out with the family... They had already planned to have an extra two people, so they made a lot of food. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law and our nieces were there as well at my in-law's house. So uh, I did end up going over there uh, later in that evening, like around 5 o'clock. Got some shish kebabs that my father-in-law cooked, um, hamburgers. We brought some, home some hot dogs. And then my mother-in-law uh, made um, a Caesar salad with bacon bits. Now I can never go back and have a Caesar salad without bacon bits because it's delicious. So I was very grateful we still have some leftovers today. My nieces gave me some necklaces and a 4th of July um, headband. And so I hung out for a little while. And then I, I came home and brought Alyssa some food and some popsicles and things like that. And uh, overall, it was, it, was, it was awesome. What did you all do for the 4th of July? Did you indulge? I was trying to decide what I wanted to pick to bring home. But I'm a hamburger, cheeseburger, shish kebab type guy at a picnic like hot dogs to me I, I i i don't mind them i will have hot dogs but i have a hot dog once every three years and it has to be hot off the grill the bun's got to be toasted i've got to have a piece of craft singles cheese melted on it with ketchup and potentially relish if i'm in a fancy mood and it will be delicious but it's not my number one uh, choice. I would much rather do a cheeseburger with the bun on the grill, melted cheese, a little bit of ketchup. I don't really want to do the onion pickle. Like barbecue, I just love bun, preferably the Wonder Bread bun. The meat, the cheese, and a little bit of ketchup. You just can't beat it. So I had, I, I we, we really indulged when we came home last night, and that was really great. Um, but today's episode. I wanted to do something kind of cool because the audience has spoken and even after three years of being off the show, Days of Our Lives continues to send me blessings and all of your kind words and questions just mean the world to me. And I was on TikTok probably a week or two ago and I saw this question. It was about Days of Our Lives and I responded to the question with a video. And it got a lot of views. And I started reading the comments where people were discovering me for the first time on TikTok. And I know on YouTube, you all found us 
a few years ago. So a lot of you were here when we used to review my last like 20 episodes, like every Friday on the when, when Sonny was about to leave, we would go over and answer questions. We interviewed a lot of Days of Our Lives cast members. So a lot of you kind of found us on social media, but now TikTok took a little bit to to have a lot of people go on the app, but now like everybody's on the app. And when I made the video, I had no idea that it was gonna go that kind of viral. And I started getting all these questions. So I was like, oh my gosh, well, let me answer some of these questions. And then it just kept getting more and more popular. So for the past four days, I've been making tons of videos on TikTok answering Days of Our Lives questions. And uh, it prompted me that I go, well, why don't I, since I know a lot of you started off watching our channel from Days of Our Lives, answer some of the most asked questions that people asked on TikTok. But on TikTok, I make them about a minute long. And here I have a little more space to elaborate on some of those uh, questions. So I figured what a better time to do that than today. And if you want to keep up with the series that I'm doing, you can go check me out on TikTok. And uh, I'm trying to answer as many as I can a day. Uh, I told myself, let me do at least three a day. So throughout the day, I'll just like scroll through the comments. I go, oh, here's one and I'll record it. So um, you can check that out if you want. But I do want to go over the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I've had at least 100, but these are like the top seven videos that I've made that people seem to have the most interest in. So um, let's hop into it. So if you had to guess, well, I would have never guessed that this is the, the most viewed. So out of all the videos I've done so far, this is the one that had the most interest. And I think it had the most interest because it wasn't, it was about days of our lives, but it wasn't specifically about days of our lives. So maybe more people outside of days fans were curious about the topic. Someone asked, um, how much do soap actors get paid? And the way I decided to answer this is kind of beating around the bush and giving people an idea. If the show had been canceled or if I didn't know the people on the show or something, I would, I would not feel uncomfortable sharing what I made. But because my friends and, and the show's still going, I don't really want to out my salary because then it would have it kind of shares what everybody else is making. I didn't feel that that was right. But here's how I basically positioned the video and, and maybe some of you had these questions as well. Um, when you're brand new, when I was brand new, yes, I had 90210, so I had a little bit of leverage, but not too much. I didn't have a big fan base. This was before social media. So what was I really bringing to the table other than the fact that they're like, this is sunny? I didn't have much leverage for negotiating. So if you're new, you have no resume, you don't really have any negotiation skills when it comes to, well, what are you offering? So you're going to get paid probably the lowest that you're going to be paid. And how that works on a soap opera these days, it was different back in the day because I signed a four-year contract where every year my pay went up. But towards the end, I think everyone coming on just did a year at a time because the show didn't know if it was ever going to make it past that year. So essentially what would happen is you would get for, let's say, a year contract, they would give you a guaranteed amount of episodes that you were paid for. So when you're newer, they don't guarantee you two episodes a week. They might guarantee you an episode in a quarter. And the reason they do it that way is that it adds up throughout the year. So if, if you're guaranteed two episodes a week for the entire year, that's 104 episodes that you're guaranteed to be paid for. So if you do 89 episodes they would still cut you a check for 104. But if you did 120 episodes, they would give you the 104 plus 16 bonus episodes. So it was a really cool deal. But when you're brand new, they don't guarantee you many episodes. 
So I would say in your first year, you can gross about $150,000, which to most parts of the country is a good amount of money. In today's crazy inflation and cost of living, not so much in the big cities, but you also have to take into consideration that actors pay 10% to their manager, 10% to their agent, and then living in California, you're getting hit with about 30% taxes after write-offs. You've got another at that tax bracket, maybe 6%, 7% of state income tax. So you're really walking away realistically with 40% of your money. So I can speak on my first year. If I grossed 150, I think I walked away with 60,000. So $60,000 is a lot of money when you're serving tables for 28 grand a year. Now you can make 60,000 and you're doing what you love and you're working like three days a week for like five hours. So it was really cool. But your first year after all the cuts, you're not really making that much money. Now, when I was on the show, I would hear stories about the stars of the 80s and 90s. And I think back in the day, there were some actors and actresses clearing $1 million a year. And that's because they were also working 50 out of the 52 weeks. They were working 12 to 15 hour days. And of course the ratings, and it was like, it was all the hype back in the 90s. Well, soaps have obviously gotten a little less popular. So the pay had to adjust. So how I positioned it in the video is basically I heard that actors could be a rumor made seven made seven figures made a million dollars and new ones make about 150 so where actors are today where soap actors get paid is somewhere in the middle i think that's the most fair way to kind of assess that and um there's other ways that that soap actors are paid as well and the other way is in fan events so that's very very popular again back in the 90s the pay to show up to fan events were much higher because there was a lot more people coming to see the uh, actor. The sponsors were much bigger, but there are still ways that you can make a little additional income on the side doing fan events. And then another one that I'm still reaping the benefits of is residual income. And this comes in the form of foreign use. So when they play the episodes in foreign countries, you get residual income from that. So we in Hollywood used to call it mailbox money because even back when I was on 90210 and I did episodes of Medium and shows like that back in the early 2000s or 2007 to 2010, there wasn't an online portal. You would actually get checks in the mail from SAG. So they call it mailbox money because you would just go to your mailbox and flip through it and you'd be like, oh, I remember seeing, it would say SAG after and I'd go, this is a check, baby. This is a check. And you'd open it up. It could literally be a penny, it could be 14 cents, it could be $6, or it could be 30 grand. So it was, it's, it's still to this day the coolest feeling ever, but I'll tell you how I do it digitally. But imagine as an actor going to your mailbox, seeing SAG-AFTRA, and you're opening this envelope, like scratching a lottery ticket basically, and you just never knew what it was going to be. So over my years... There was one big one I got from 90210. I had like five or six from Days of Our Lives that were big that were like, you stand up like you won the lottery. You're like, whoa, my God, what the? And then like, I'll call my parents. I'll be like, you'll never get what I just, I was like, just take a guess. And they're like guessing. I'm like, this is incredible. So sometimes you're surprised, but I've probably gotten 2,000 residual checks over my lifetime as an actor. And 40 of them were substantial. 
A lot of the other ones are seven $7, $2, $1, $0.11, $0.02. Even back in the mailbox money days, I would hold all the checks. Um, and I had a stack this thick that was of one penny, two pennies, seven pennies. Like it cost more to mail it than the actual deposit. And I was like, well, what do you do with these? So I kept them for many years. I don't know if I ever ended up throwing them out, but I never went and cashed them because I go, imagine me showing up with like 175 checks that equal like $17. I would like the $17 to go to lunch, but I was like, what do I do? I go to the bank with 175 checks. I was like, eh. So I ended up just kind of keeping it. There was a restaurant, however, and I only did this back in the day once, but it, I don't know if it's still there. It's in Studio City, and the, and the restaurant was called Residuals, where if you're an actor and you had a residual check that was 30 cents, 20 cents, a dollar, you bring that in as a coupon, basically, and they'll give you a free drink. And I thought, that is so cool. So a few times we would go in with those checks, and you, you just show them the check or whatever, and they'll give you a free drink in exchange um, because they just were trying to be creative and it was a really good idea. But what we do now is we go to the SAG after website. So usually every Saturday I will check, um, the website and I cover the right side of my website with my hand and I hit residuals and I hit processing and I see if anything came through. So maybe between medium 90210 and days, maybe I get like six residual checks a year. So if I check it every Saturday, it's, you know, one out of every seven or like every, once every couple months, I'll, I'll see something. But I put my hand here and I know the title for Days of Our Lives, like the company. It's Sony Pictures Entertainment. And everything else I did was CBS or there's one other. But the CBS ones and Medium and now 2 and 0 and everything, they're, they're, they're rarely life-changing type money. It's, you know, sometimes it's $100, $200. I'm like, hey, this is cool. Most of the time it's $10, $6, $2, $0.15. But I'll put my hand here. <coughs> and if I see Sony Picture Entertainment, I go, oh, my God. Like, this could be a big check. And then I'll, like, sometimes I'll wait for Alyssa. Sometimes I won't. And then I pull my hand away. And again, sometimes it's 50 bucks, but sometimes it's like thousands of dollars. So I still do that to this day. And I'm so grateful because again, in these, in, in these, uh, markets, these foreign markets, sometimes we're behind by four years. So they're just now playing and I'm still on. So I'm still getting those checks. Uh, but my last one that I got, they showed the episode numbers and it was a huge list. And I looked at the episode number and I go, what, like one, like 12,000, you know, 420. And so I went to Google and I looked up the episode found on IMDb and those, that, ep I was just making this number up, but that episode aired in 2012 or 2013. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, wait a second. They're still playing the 2012, 2013, 2014 episodes. So maybe since I work till 2020, maybe for the next like three years, I'll still get something and I can continue to play my fun little game. So days just blesses me in ways that I can never like imagine, like the experience itself, the friends that I made, the audience that I was able to build a relationship with, not only through my story, but here on YouTube and Instagram and everything. It's been awesome. And then I get cool things like this financially where you just never know. And I get like a nice little chunk of change and I go, hey, let's do some renovations or something. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
Today's sponsor is Easy Canvas Prints. Elevate your home or office decor with custom canvas prints. Look what Alyssa and I uh, got right here. We decided to take, we went through the camera roll and we looked at all of our wedding photos because we haven't had a picture of our wedding on our wall yet. We've been doing our renovations. We wanted something in the living room that we could be reminded of one of the most amazing days of our life. And uh, we decided to go with easy canvas prints and you just upload, it's very simple. You go to the website, you upload a photo from your, your camera roll and you can customize it. You can do wood frame, metallic frame, and they make for really great gifts of, of moments like weddings and anniversaries and they ship them to you. So don't wait to elevate your home or office decor with a custom canvas print today. Visit easycanvasprints.com slash F and A for a special offer for our listeners. Get unlimited 16 by 20 canvas prints for only $14.99 each. Again, that's easycanvasprints.com slash F and A. Now back to the show. So the next question, um, how do I feel about recasting? This is a big one. Since my counterpart was recast and I was recast, I kind of can see it from both ways. So what I would say about this is I think it's a great idea because this isn't prime time where there's only like 20 episodes. We film thousands. And if someone's going to take a break or someone's going to leave, why stop the storyline that people have been watching for years? But the key to the recast is getting the new actor in the mix as quickly as possible. Because for instance, when Guy Wilson took over for Chandler, he was coming into it without any of the knowledge of what Chandler had experienced for four years. Yes, he could watch the episodes, but the day-to-day, -day, the chemistry building, the understanding of the relationships, he had to start basically from scratch and hop in with somebody who knew what was going on in the storyline. So I just tried to make him as comfortable as possible, as quickly as possible. So me and Guy Wilson actually hung out outside of work a lot to build that chemistry quickly. And people took a liking to the, the pairing, I'd say within a few weeks or a month. Some people never did, but that's going to happen. But I, I really do like it. It just takes some time for the actor to step in. But he stepped in really quickly and took it over like a, like a champ. And then the audience accepted um, him very quickly as well. And then for me on the other side of it, like I said earlier, I'm happy that they did recast my character because all the work we did, I didn't want to end. We still have that book of business. We still have those nine years that we get to have forever. But now there's a new chapter and I love that it continues and that it can continue to continue if they so choose to do that. So I'm happy that my personal decision of not going back didn't stop the joy and the excitement for the audience to continue watching these characters. So I really like that. And then me on a personal level, I was almost waiting for them to recast so I could officially close the chapter. Because it was in, and it was hard for me to want to move on if I knew in the back of my head I could get a phone call and it could solve all my problems. I, In order for me to move on and fight through the challenges of my new chapter... I needed to know that I was being recast so I knew that was done and there was no going back. So I was able to finally close it personally and then take on my new chapter. So if times were tough, I couldn't go, hey, you guys thinking that? I knew it was done. So it really helped me officially move on. And here I am now three years later and I'm, I'm happy that it went the way it did. 
and we finally have a new career and and i'm very happy it all went down so i'm glad everyone really liked uh zach who replaced my character i think um from the comments i read and what people say um they really like what he's doing and what he did so uh I'm, I'm really happy that he did a wonderful job and that people liked it and we were able to continue that story so i'm gonna put these two together um how do you learn your lines and do you really get one take the learning the lines the best way to describe this is <clears throat> if you're a new actor or not even a new actor but if you're an actor who's auditioning for a part memorizing the words is what someone who's an actor thinks that we do but how you memorize the words is by understanding what you're saying. It's the same thing if you read a book in high school or a teacher was teaching you that just you weren't clicking with. You were hearing the words, but you didn't understand it, so it was hard to retain it. When you read a book you're not interested in, it's hard to retain because you just don't understand it. But if you're reading something that you understand, you can recite it quickly. So as an actor, you're not just reading the words and memorizing the words. You're, you're understanding what you're saying, why you're saying it, and what your intention is. So when you're doing an audition and you get eight pages and you go, what's my character? Uh, he's a gambler. He's from Vegas. He has this friend, Billy. And you're like going through the script, but you're like, who's Billy? How long has he known him? Where are they from? Where's my, my character? He gambles. Why does he gamble? Does he have a problem? Is he running from something? You have to create all of this in order to create something compelling. So that takes a lot of homework and a lot of work. So you're like, okay, Freddie, how's that pertain to days? Well, when I was new to days, I didn't know who any of the characters were. Even if I watch the show, I, I don't know how my character, because he's new, feels about, how's he feel about Marlena? What interactions has he had with Marlena? So you have to, at the beginning, create who are all these characters, where did Sonny come from, how was his, when he came out, how was it before it was told? Like, I had to create all this before the story was told to have a compelling character. So that was a lot of work when you're brand new. After you're on the show for a year or two or three, I knew all my story. I knew all the characters. I knew how all the characters made me feel. I knew what the Kyriakis Mansion was. I knew about certain actors um, or characters that you go, ooh, or they make me happy. If I talked about my dad or I talked about my mom on the show, I instantly, I still smile because I know them so well. But when I'm new, I go, well, what's my relationship with my mom and dad? So if I say mom and dad, okay, so how do I feel about them? But the more you do it, the more you just understand what's going on. So I could open towards my last two years, I could open the script and go, all right, so this happened. So Uncle Vic was in the hospital. So they were there. I argued with my dad. They're in town and all that. Okay, cool. Got it. And you just, I just, you just know it. You read it once or twice and you go, okay, I get it. And you're able to perform it. So do we really just get one take and still learning the lines question is, I would definitely, my first three to four years, I would study massively um, because I had so much homework to do. Then I got into a place where I could memorize it quickly, but if I had a big monologue or a lot of lines or I had to cry, I would have a hard time falling asleep because I was anxious about it. I was in, I was laying my head on my pillow and I was like going over the monologue in my head and I go, oh crap, what's, what's next? Uh, where does it go? I'd be anxious. So my last two years on the show, I said, I'm not doing that. 
I learned the script in 15 minutes. Why do you need to look at it the night before? You've done 850 episodes. You always learn it in 15 minutes. Why are you studying it the night before stressing yourself out? So I did what a few other actors did. There was only a couple of us, I think, that did this, where I would learn it in the makeup chair. So I would get my script that day. How's everyone going? What's going on? How are you? What's up? What's up? What's up? I'd look through. <clears throat> I would learn it. I would then go run it with my castmate in the dressing room, and then I would go on the stage and do it. So that's how I ended up doing it the past, um, my, how I did the last two years. And then did we really get just one take? Yes and no. Um, what we would do is get there at 7 o'clock in the morning, start getting our hair and makeup done. Then let's say we went to the Kyriakis Mansion, and I was with uh, Chandler. And all our episodes were there, or all our scenes were there. So it was six episodes. We start in the mansion. We hug in the mansion, and that was the episode. You watch the episode, Freddie and Chandler are in the Kyriakis Mansion. Every single time you see us throughout the hour, we're in the Kyriakis Mansion. If those six scenes were in the morning, me and Chandler would go out with the director. We would have our script. We'd be in our street clothes, and we would do something called dry blocking. And what that basically is, is here's the words, but when are we sitting? When are we grabbing tea? When are we turning around? You need dry blocking, not only for us to know where to go as the actors, but for the boom and the camera people to know, oh, okay, so Sonny's going to say this. He's going to stand up. He's going to move over to the tea cart. He's going to pour his tea. He's going to walk back to the couch. He's going to sit down. So the cameras, the booms, and the actors all needed to dry block to know where we were moving. So in that dry block, we would go through it. And if we had a question like, you know, I think he's overreacting here. Like, why is he being so aggressive? Can he soften that a little bit? You could discuss it with the director quickly. And um, that was the dry block. Then we would go in our dressing room after we're all dressed, hair and makeup ready, and we would just run it at like 60% capacity. Like, what do you mean you, you were, you know, like, oh, my God, like, Uncle Vic, like, what happened? Like, oh, oh, Dad, I can't believe you did this. And so you would you would you would give 60 percent of the emotion. You wouldn't give it your all. Um, you would give it just enough to get the rhythm so that it's like, oh, this is when I speak. This is when I this is when they speak. It's like, OK, boom, 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 boom. Then we would go out and in a perfect world, you would get one rehearsal. And this was, again, for everyone. This was for the camera, the boom, and the actors to not only rehearse it without looking, but to walk, stand up, walk to the tea cart, pour, turn, say the line. Boom, back, 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 and cut. Great, let's tape it. Now we do it again. The booms, the, mic the mics, the cameras, and the actors all know what's going to happen. Then you would do it on that next take, and then you move on to the next one. And then someone asks, well, what happens if you mess up a take? Well, again, if you are getting better at this over the years, you just stop where you're at. So it's like, my line, your line, my line, your line, my line, your, your, uh, freeze, everyone stop. What's the line? Your line? Okay. In three, two, one, your line, my line, your line, my line. So as long as it was easy to, to fix in the edit, if you ever messed up a line, you just stop. Everyone freezes, you ask for your line, and then they count you down, you take a beat, and then you say the line. So we would do that. Now, if you're in a scene where you're crying and throwing things and you're all over the place, sometimes if someone messes up, you want to start from the beginning to build the momentum. 
and everything's also not the same. But if you're sitting down and we're having coffee and we're you know talking about, so what's this? What's okay? And three, two, one. So what's this? What's that? Oh, you're doing that. It's easy to edit. Also, what uh, me and Christopher Sean and Chandler used to do during that time, and then with me and Chandler towards the end, is we would just go straight to tape. And we would ask camera and mics if they were good. They're like, well, where are you going? And again, they were pros. They've done this forever too. But Chandler and I always loved, because we trusted each other and we both were, were improvers. And so we, we wanted the first time we ever heard how the other person was going to do it, we would get to have that natural reaction on camera. So there were many times that we wouldn't even rehearse it in the dressing room. The very first time that we ever saw each other do it was when it was being taped for television. And uh, we, we just liked doing it that way. So I didn't know, like, when was he going to yell? When is, is he going to cry? Like, I didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't know what I was going to do. But we both understood where we were going. So I think that is what also had somewhat of a, an allure to what we did is that we just never did the take the same. We just were very free with it. And that was just kind of what we were able to do. And I think it worked out really well. Now, that was probably 50% of the time we would do that. But on complex scenes, a lot of dialogue, we would go and run our lines because if you've got so many scenes, you're shooting two episodes, you have to run them because everything's kind of similar sometimes. You didn't want to forget your lines and then it holds up production. So there were many times that we would read, but there was other times we go, you got today's? And we're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, let's just leave it on the floor. And we would just show up and just like do it. So that was really cool. Um, and, and then we'll talk about the schedule. This kind of goes perfectly. I'm skipping all around here, but the schedule of the day, and you can still see this today if you watch the show, we, we worked from seven to four. And most of the time you would come in at seven if your scenes were in the morning. Um, if your scenes were at the end of the day, you'd have a 1230 call time. So let's say you had a 7 a.m. call time and you were in those six episodes of the or six scenes in the Kyriakos Mansion and the Kyriakos Mansion was set three of the day. So it was police station with these two actors, then it was the Horton Town Square with these seven actors, then it was the Kyriakos Mansion. You could count the pages and go, okay, Kyriakos Mansion, we're going to shoot about 10 o'clock. So at 7 a.m. we'd get there, hair and makeup till 7.30, we would dry block around 8.15, go get breakfast, come back to the room, get dressed, we got an hour to spare, hang out with your castmates, chill, run your lines, then they say stand by, Kyriakos Mansion, Freddie and Chandler, we go to the Kyriakos Mansion at 10 o'clock. We film our six scenes and we're done for the day. So we're out at 1045 and we're home. The day that would uh, that would keep you there a while is if you were running around town. So some actors and actresses on the show, inherently, because of their character, were always on different sets. And their days were much longer. I was spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. Most of my scenes... I feel took place in like my club, my coffee shop, the Kyriakos mansion, my apartment. Like I very rarely jumped around. So my days were usually short. But if you watch an episode and it was like Kyriakos mansion, then I'm like, I'm going to go find my dad. And then it's Horton Town Square. Dad, and you got to go tell your mom. Then I'm back over at the coffee shop. If they were moving from police station, 
Horton Town Square, Kyriakis Mansion, different set, different set, different set, different set, different set, different set, the park. You would finish your scenes at 1045 and you'd have to wait till 330 to walk into the park and go, Mom? And then she turns around close up on each of us, episode ends, and you go home. And then the next day, all your scenes are in the park with your mom. So then it's a quick day. But if you had to move sets, you always knew it was going to be a long day. Unless you got lucky where it was like the Kyriakis Mansion and then right next to it is like the bedroom set. And you're like, oh crap, it's boom, boom, right there and you go. And I always used to get excited about it because we were always paid per episode, not length of time. So if I'm there for two and a half hours or 10 hours, I'm paid the same. So if I can get out of there in two and a half hours and have my day to work out and work on other things, I've got excited. But I also would sometimes pop home, go to lunch, study other lines, make phone calls, hang out with people. So it was it was a really awesome schedule. The last two, um, is it awkward filming sex scenes? Overall, here's how I basically described it. You would think, and this is true, that having 50 people watch you in an intimate setting would be awkward. And it is. But these are 50 professionals who are doing their job who aren't, as you would imagine, if you aren't an actor or aren't a camera or boom or hair or makeup person, it would seem obtuse. Be like, when's the last time I ever made love and had 50 people watching me? But these are all professionals and they're watching for their own thing. How's the wardrobe? Can we see the shorts under the bed? You know, oh, they have enough sweat. We got to put some sweat on them. Oh, get the hair out of the face. They got to smear. There's a little, they're a little like wipe off their face. Like everyone's doing their part. So everyone's just super professional. So that wasn't really what was awkward. The awkward part is it was the most true departure from real life intimacy. Because if you're mad at someone, and I've been mad at someone, and here I am being mad, it feels the same, like whether people are watching or not because of what's happening. When you're doing a love scene in real life, you're not being watched by millions of people. So you don't care how you look. As long as you're looking that person in the eyes or you're together, you're just caring about the performance and the intimacy. When you're shooting on camera, you are acting the intimacy but also have to make sure what you're doing looks good. So when you're at a bar or you're in your bedroom, you could be in the weirdest angles. You might not look good from an angle, but you don't care because no one's seeing it. When you're on camera, if I'm like, if I lean this way, I'm blocking my face from the camera. I can't do that. Well, if, if I lean back, do I have a double chin? If I put my head back, are you shooting up my nose? If I roll this way, does it look awkward? So, some, so you have to, in your mind, play intimacy, be together, make it realistic, make the eye contact, make the, the fake happy intimacy happening while also watching for cameras and making sure your angle looks good. Me sitting at a coffee shop like this, I don't have to think about how I look. It's a great angle. Um, but when you're in bed and you're rolling around, it could look kind of awkward. You're also in like these tight nude pants, uh, like boxers. But towards the end, we never really did that. We kind of just had our jeans and shoes on underneath because 
you, you would never see it anyway the way that you would roll around but i would say that's what makes it awkward it's just you 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 can't fully be in it because you're thinking of so many technical things and um but we manage you know and it's really cool when it turns out well you're like hey that turned out really good and on a soap opera on days it wasn't very lengthy intimate love scenes you know it was very much kiss 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 roll pan to a picture on the nightstand so um it, it wasn't as awkward as people uh might think but uh you kind of get used to it again you get used to putting the breath mint in drinking some water and having people put fake sweat on you and um have four cameras in your face so you kind of get used to it and then um lastly this was just always a really interesting not debate, but conversation is, um, especially with how times are today, is it okay for straight actors to be playing gay characters? I think that's something that is being talked about a lot um, when it comes to race, when it comes to sexual orientation. <clears throat> and I don't really want to get into it as the big picture. I think I just want to speak specifically on my experience. And uh, how I answered this on the TikTok in fewer words, but sexual orientation can be private. Um, 99.99999% of your time, something like race is obvious. <clears throat> something like sexual orientation, just because I know I've been, I've been was in Hollywood for many years, there's a lot of people that I know that are gay, that are bi, that aren't public about it. So that creates that question of, so what are we really saying then? Somebody who's married or someone who says they're straight playing a gay character, that becomes the problem. Um, so it just kind of gets a little dicey. And what I shared from my personal experience is that no one ever asked my sexual orientation when I was auditioning. I don't know if they're even legally allowed to do that. And social media wasn't prevalent. So you couldn't really Google me and read any articles or see me photos of me and my wife so no one ever really asked and i was auditioning for the role there was about 500 people that auditioned and there was about 10 of us in the producer's session before the screen test and half of us because we all ran the same circle i knew a lot of the guys half of us were straight half of us were gay so they weren't specifically looking at sexual orientation I could tell by who was in the producer session, I knew who was gay and straight. They were just looking for who's best for the role. And my first year and a half on the show, I did not do any interviews and did not take any pictures with my wife. We took that role so serious that I did not want the audience to judge a straight guy playing a gay character to take away from the performance. I go, I don't want, and me and PR, public relations of the show, talked about that. I was like, I don't want to be asked my sexual orientation. So for a year and a half, I, I kept it quiet. <clears throat> we built this massive audience who fell in love with the characters. Then as the red carpet started and social media started getting more popular, I was like, I can't keep it a secret anymore. So I kind of like came out as straight, if you will. And most people were cool about it. Most people are cool about it still today. Some people were disappointed. Um... But it is what it is. You know, you're not going to make everyone happy. And I also, you know, understand where people come from. I understand the lack of representation. I understand that if you watch any movie or television show from 2015 and before, 
there was zero representation of the LGBTQ community, let alone actors who were out, who were openly gay, who were, who, you know, there was a lot of, uh, of gay actors playing straight roles too. But the times have changed. So when people say that, I understand where they're coming from. I, I don't disagree a hundred percent because I understand that if they're, but, but, but then it becomes down to the merit of it is if you're between two people, one is gay, one is straight, do you choose an actor based on their sexual orientation or does that become discriminatory even in reverse? So I'm not the one that has to make those decisions and times have definitely changed, but I know networks, producers, Hollywood studios are really trying to be more inclusive, trying to be more diverse and, um, you know, hats off to them because, you know, there's just a lot of changes happening. I'm not sure if, I mean, I don't know if, if I would have booked, you know, would it have been different in 2023 than it was in 2011? I don't know. So I'm just a spectator now. I'm watching what's going on with the casting and um, I don't really have any, any feelings about it. You know, I, I know because it, it, it always feels super weird. When I hear some of my friends too, they're talking about, oh, like times have changed. Like, you know, if you're not, if you're just basically just a white guy, the roles are so, there's like no roles anymore, you know, for us. And I'm like, well, we had them for so long. Like, I get it. And I'm never going to be the one to, you know, complain about it if I was still acting. <clears throat> so, um, but at the end of the day, you can be virtuous. You can think of others. And that, especially if someone's in an interview or on a podcast, being virtuous and saying, you know what, I would step down and I would allow someone of X, Y, and Z to take the role because there hasn't been much representation. That sounds great. And there are probably some beautiful souls that are that selfless that would do that. But there's also actors who are have mortgages and bills and they just want to be on set and they want to act and they they don't they, they they're they're looking after themselves, you know. So they're they're they can understand what's right or wrong, but at the end of the day, they're actors and they want to book. They want to play a part. They want to they want to go in. They want to give their heart and soul, and they want to be chosen because they were what's best for the role, not because a quota needed to be hit. So I I see both sides, and again, not my decision to make unless I was going to produce, cast, and film. Then I would have more personal. Um, anecdotes or experiences to share with you. I'm not in the decision-making chair in that category, so we're all kind of just seeing what those executives and those networks are going to do about that. So I'm just watching it all unfold, and um, I just wish everyone the best because acting is it's very hard to, to be a working actor um, year after year after year after year, and even some of the biggest actors in the world the most famous actors in the world book a show for eight years, make millions of dollars, win seven Emmys, and they can never work again because people can't see them outside that character. Or there's people who work on little parts for 27 years and then finally get their big break. So it's just such a coin toss. There's so much that goes into all of it. And uh, it's definitely a hustle. So I wish everyone well who's in the creative spot. Um, but here's the, here's the good news that I'll end it with because I'm you know, obsessed with social media. We can create our own projects today. We have avenues to raise money. We have avenues to get people together. We do not need the gatekeepers to make the films we want to make. So for anyone who's talking about race or talking about orientation or whatever it may be, 
you get together with your own friends, your own producers, and make something and put it on the internet and let the market decide. And you can do that for anything in life. And it just, it's hard work, but it's like, what's the alternative? If you're just going to wait for that phone to ring, it might never ring or it might ring 15 years from now. And do you want to serve tables for 15 years waiting for the phone to ring? Or do you want to try every day to meet people and film your own stories, shoot your own videos and put them out to the world and tell your story because it will find an audience this day, these days. So at least that has also expanded the ability for people to share their stories and share their art. So I wish everyone well. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I, I want to thank you all for uh, hopping on uh, today's episode. I, I hope I answered some questions that you might have been wondering about. And again, check me out on TikTok. I'm going to continue doing the series. Ask me some questions on TikTok. I'll try to answer as many as I can through the comments and, uh, and make a video about it. But um, let's send good wishes to Alyssa so that she can be back on the show here next week. And uh, I'm wishing you all just a, a wonderful week. And we will see you here next Wednesday. Take care, everyone.